When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Shack. Sports Shack. It's Sports Shack. Here it comes, episode 256 of the Sports Yak Podcast. You mean the Harmon Killebrew episode? Harmon Killebrew! Now, Harmon Killebrew had a lot more than 256 home runs. In fact, he's one of the best home run hitters of all time. But his batting average of 256 lifetime is one of the lowest batting averages of any position player in the Baseball Hall of Fame. So why is Harmon Killebrew in the Baseball Hall of Fame? Because he could hit home runs and he could hit lots of them. For instance, in 1969, he hit 47 home runs and won the American League MVP. Harmon Killebrew also would hit prodigious blasts. He was the first player to hit a ball over the left field roof at Tiger Stadium, which I don't know if you remember the old Tiger Stadium, Corey, but that's Polk. Yeah. He, there's also, if you go to the Mall of America, there's a little train that runs around. And there's a red seat that sits outside that train, just kind of attached to a wall. That was the seat 520 feet away from home plate at the old Metropolitan Stadium where Harmon Killebrew hit a home run. But as I mentioned, career batting average, 256. And we salute that today on Sportcheck. Do you play for multiple teams? Primarily played for the Minnesota Twins. He did play for the Kansas City Royals at the end of his career when he was released by the Twins. Actually came back, hit a home run in Minnesota, and received a standing ovation. Mm-hmm. Harmon Killebrew. Yes. Great Hammer name. and Harmon. Great name. Family Broadcasting Corporation. Well, the crowd's going wild. In association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network, presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. It's all the way! It is! It's good! Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever! All right, let's start with the NFL. Last night, the Colts and the Tennessee Titans. Titans. Yeah, 34-17 Colts win. They were prodigious in all three phases of the game. I was most impressed with their defense. I thought their defense did a great job, particularly in the second half. They just absolutely put the clamps on Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, and the Titans' offense. Now, let's be honest. Over the years, if you're a Colts fan, you know, when Tennessee's on the schedule, that's a W. That's just a team that, for some reason, the Indianapolis Colts have been able to dominate over the years. 
the Titans did not help themselves in the second half. They had the lead at halftime, 17-13. They're punting on an early series in the second half, and their punter, Patrick Daniels, shanks one for a 17-yard punt deep in his own territory. So the Colts punch that in, and then they block a Daniels punt the next time he goes to punt, and that game goes quickly from a 17-13 Titans lead to 27-17. Meanwhile, the Colts' offense was just grinding out plays, keeping that Tennessee defense on the field the whole time. And it was just a complete team performance by Indianapolis. Now, I'm not going to get as giddy as Greg Doyle in the Indianapolis star today, and I have a lot of respect for Greg Doyle. I think he's a terrific columnist. But he's talking that 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 the Colts are one of the most complete teams in the NFL. No, you beat a team that you beat a lot in Tennessee, and you're probably the best team in the AFC South. That doesn't mean that you're one of the best teams in the NFL. If the Colts line up against the Steelers, how does one feel about that? That's the first team I thought of was, let's see how If the that... Colts line up against the Kansas City Chiefs, how does one feel about that? So I'm not even sure that the Colts are the best team in the AFC, worse yet one of the best teams in football. Let's just hold back the reins a little bit. They're 6-3. and three. They lead the AFC South. There's a lot of good things on this team. Let's not throw them into the Super Bowl just yet. Okay. Which, by the way, has announced their halftime uh, artist. We might as well ask you about that. How do you feel about the weekend? He's got some hit songs. Uh, I mean, you're filling a 12-minute window, maybe? And he should be able to do that. Just fine. Yeah. And is he actually going to be at the Super Bowl, or will it be a pre-recorded stick it right in? And That's a real good question. Yeah. So <clears throat> we could throw him into overrated, underrated at the end if you want, but yeah. I, I don't think there's any need to do that. No, no. His his career is still active, so it's kind sure. of hard to evaluate. It, it is. Uh, nevertheless, let's talk college football. Tomorrow, Notre Dame goes on the road to Boston College. I'm looking forward to this game because I want to see which team shows up. The team that we saw play against Clemson or another version of that team. Well, I don't think you're going to quite see the team you saw against Clemson. I mean, that you're talking about... A lot of high energy, a lot of high intensity, and a lot of emotion spent on that game. The question would be, how much of a lesser version do you see, and how much of a lesser version could they get away with against a Boston College team that will be fired up for this game? Boston College had a young man, football player by the name of Wells Crowther. Uh, His story is well documented. Uh, We've had Tom Rinaldi on the show. He helped write the red bandana story about Wells Crowther. And uh, they salute him with what they call the red bandana jerseys. And they bring them out for what they consider big games. And obviously, number two, Notre Dame coming to town is a big game. It's always a big game for Boston College when Notre Dame comes to town. Mm -hmm. This is their big rivalry. They are the two Catholic schools who play Division I college football. Add the fuel of the fact that Boston College's quarterback is Notre Dame's former backup quarterback, Phil Jerkovic, and he's having a very good year. He would be the MVP of that team right now. They're 5-3. and three. 
He's got some good receivers around him, guys like Zay Flowers, and they have a tight end that's very good. So he's got some people to throw the ball to. I think if you if you broke it down and you went the BC passing game against the Notre pass defense, probably even. Boston College has not been able to run the ball. And let's face it, Clemson had a terrific running attack, and they couldn't run the ball against Notre Dame's defense. So at some point, if you're Clark Lee, the defensive coordinator for the Irish, you're going to tell your guys, pin your ears back, and let's go after Jakovic, the quarterback, and let's get a pass rush on this guy and see what can happen. Now, can BC do what they did to Clemson for a half? Remember, BC had an 18-point lead on Clemson in the first half in Death Valley with this team. So they're capable of doing some offensive explosions. They also got outscored in the second half, 24-0 in that game. That defense can get worn down. I would look for Notre Dame to give the ball to Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree a fair amount. Maybe you still try to throw the deep ball somewhat to McKinley or Avery Davis or Michael Mayer. I mean, this is a game Notre Dame should win. I'm going to say right around the two touchdowns, somewhere between 14 and 20 points. I, I think that's what should happen. Now, to go back to your question, will that happen? We don't know for sure. I do want to speak to the older element of our audience. Okay. Okay. Those of you who say, well, you remember the last time the Notre Dame beat the number one team and then Boston College came here and beat them 41-38 and they kicked that field goal at the end they broke their hearts and that could happen again. Well, you're right. It could. But that Boston College team was a lot more talented than this Boston College team. Here's the other thing. It was 27 years ago. None of these players were born. Notre Dame's offensive coordinator was 19 months old. It doesn't have any impact on them. None. They don't care about that. This is a brand new season, and let's see how it all pans out. Put your little idiosyncrasies and superstitions and history repeating itself aside. Now, could it happen? Well, yes, anything can happen. I don't think it will. In your travels, have you ever been to Chestnut Hill? I have. I have called baseball games there on multiple occasions and have wandered over and seen the football stadium. Um, it's it's not a special place. Uh, quite frankly, at Boston College, uh, their hockey arena is a much more special place than the football stadium, mainly because their hockey teams have won national championships and their football teams have not. You know, Boston College still reveres the name of Flutie uh, for the Hail Mary pass and the Heisman Trophy that he won. But again, we're talking something that happened 34 years ago. Oh, and by the way, Doug Flutie was beaten by a Jerry Faust team in the Liberty Bowl. So how good was that Boston College squad? You know? <laughs> Meanwhile, a huge Big Ten showdown. You can hear locally on Pulse FM, both stations. Uh, it, it's kind of uh, interesting how we do it. We do Indiana on 103.1. Mm -hmm. We do Purdue on the bookends, 92.1 and 96.9. And Both people of those sometimes teams. ask why we do that. And the problem is because sometimes the two teams play at the same time. Yeah, there was a time change this week that you uh, alerted me to. So if they were playing at the same time, the only way you'd be able to hear them is 103.1 for IU and 92.1, 96.9 for Purdue. 
And you say, well, why don't you adjust that? Well, why don't you run your own radio station, okay? <laughs> Is that the same one that's bugging you about the 27-year-ago Boston College? Yeah, these imaginary people that I talked to. Uh, so Indiana and Michigan State. Hoosiers, of course, playing well. They're 3-0. Michigan State is a really tough team to figure out. Lose to Rutgers. Beat Michigan. Michigan, of course, looks like a dumpster fire right now. Uh, Michigan State turns around, loses the next week. So what Michigan State team is Indiana going to see? And does Indiana have a letdown? They had the big win at home last week over Michigan. Now, you know, they invested a lot of emotion in that. First time they've beaten Michigan since 1987. Do they have a letdown? You can't afford to have a letdown on the road in the Big Ten. So let's see how Indiana handles the success that they're enjoying right now. They're ranked in the top ten for the first time since 1969. Let's see how they do. Now, I do think... Indiana has the best player on the field tomorrow and Michael Penix Jr., their quarterback. They've shown a terrific offense, and as we talked about last Monday on the Yak, the defense is vastly improved under Tom Allen. So let's see what sorts itself out here Saturday afternoon in East Lansing. But I would say that Indiana is the favorite and deservedly so. My first time at the Rock was four years ago yesterday with my daughter. We got to do the sideline fun against Penn State. Our mutual friend Jeremy Gray down right. there in the athletic department. Yeah. But that was a much different IU-Penn State game than the one we saw earlier this year. <laughs> yes, it was, Chuck Freebie. So now let's advance to 5 o'clock in your afternoon. And maybe the Irish are blowing out Boston College. You're looking for a competitive football game. How about the Battle of the Unbeatens in West Lafayette, Northwestern at Purdue. Boilermakers course, had the week off last week. They were supposed to play Wisconsin. That game was canceled due to COVID. So they come in well-rested and take on a Northwestern team that is using Indiana's old quarterback, Peyton Ramsey, to advance their offense. So you see a lot of these uh, transfer quarterbacks playing right away this year. And Peyton Ramsey has been a difference maker for the Wildcats so far. Now, Northwestern has breezed to three victories but they really haven't played anybody all that good yet. This will be the best competition they've faced on the road in Ross-Aid Stadium against a Purdue team that has shown that they can move the football. That they're, They've got some great offense, including the running back Xander Horvath out of Michigan, or excuse me, out of Marion. The question will be for me, can Purdue's defense uh, put up enough of a fight, especially with George Karloftis banged up, can they do that against this Northwestern offense? Again, 5 o'clock on 92-1 and 96-9. You know, we've got something special for you Sports Yak fans. Let's go live to campus right now. West Lafayette, TJ Freebie will give us an update on the game. TJ? TJ, are you there? Caller? Must be doing his homework or watching The Mandalorian. Do you know how much you've just disappointed his mother with that little stint? <laughs> I just want to send a, a shockwave through the freebie tribe. Do you tribe. know how much you just, dis- <laughs> I mean, Diane Freebie, ears <laughs> perking up, and then. Maybe we'll deliver on that at another time. Mm. <laughs> uh, also tomorrow night in college football, Michigan entertaining Wisconsin. So here's Wisconsin. Hasn't played in three weeks because of the COVID. Wow. Michigan wishes they hadn't played in three weeks. And 
Can Jim Harbaugh get a win over Wisconsin and get the dogs to stop barking at him there in Ann Arbor? And this is a big game for Wisconsin, too, because they're going to have to probably win out in order to continue to get attention for the Big Ten, uh, not just the Big Ten conference final, but the Big Ten playoff spot that many people think will be up for grabs between them and Ohio State. I notice an Elkhart T-shirt underneath the um, the pullover today as you prepare for tonight's festivities. It is Elkhart and Merrillville in big boy football in Class 6A. My goodness, there is some talent on the field tonight. So Merrillville comes in 9-1. and one. They did not play the top two teams in the Dunlin Conference, Valparaiso and Michigan City, because both of those teams had COVID scares. Uh, during the weeks they were supposed to play Merrillville. Brad Cease, former Warsaw Tiger, is the head coach at Merrillville, and he's got an array of talent on his team. Offensively, his quarterback, Angel Nelson, is one of the top 20 passers in the state, 23 touchdowns, five interceptions. They can hand it off to LaVarian Logan, a running back who's run for over 1,300 yards. When Nelson drops back to pass, he can throw it to JoJo Johnson, number one. He's being recruited by Iowa, Michigan State, Purdue, the whole nine yards. Primarily more as a defensive back than a wide receiver, but he can go get it. His cousin, Marcus Hardy, is another one of the receivers. He's having an outstanding year. And then the third receiver, Paris Hewlett, was the quarterback at Hammond Morton. Came over to Merrillville when Hammond Morton said that they weren't playing football this year, which they wound up playing, but by that time, the transfer had gone through. Um, Didn't get the quarterback job. Got thrown into receiver when the best receiver on the team, Armani Glass, went down with a knee injury and caught seven, despite having never played receiver before in his life, caught seven passes for 150 yards against Chesterton in the regular season finale and has become a a formidable force to watch on offense. So that's the offense. And, oh, by the way, they've got a big physical offensive line. You talk about the defense for Merrillville. Their tackles, De'Aire Kelly and Kenneth Grant. De'Aire Kelly's going to Bowling Green. Kenneth Grant has offers from Purdue and Nebraska. By the way, Kenneth Grant weighs 350 pounds, and it usually takes two guys to block him. Okay, So you got those two in the middle trying to gum up the running game. The linebackers are interesting stories, both named Devin, Devin Sanders and Devin Davis. They're both coming back from torn right ACLs last year. Yes, they both tore their right ACL last year. They've come back and done a great job of playing linebacker this year. Secondary, I think that's where Elkhart can make some hay. Uh, Last week against Lafayette Jeff, even though Merrillville won that game in blowout fashion, Lafayette Jeff dropped two short touchdown passes in that game that would have perhaps changed the tenor of the game. But Merrillville comes in, very talented team. Their only loss was to Bishop Chittard, which is the top-ranked team in Class 3A. And they only played Bishop Chittard because their game with Michigan City fell through. So they're 9-1. and Alcard is 9-0. and Lions average 44 points a game. Their quarterback, Cameron Wolfong, great story. Wasn't supposed to be the number one quarterback. Dylan Ross got hurt in the first game of the year. Wilt Fong came off the bench, led them to a win over Mishawaka, and has led them to a perfect record since. Now, 
Cameron Wolfon will throw the occasional interception. 13 TDs, 11 picks. Derek Woods is an outstanding running back. Nearly 1,500 yards, about 600 of that here in the tournament. He has 29 touchdowns on the year. That puts him in the top five in scoring in the state of Indiana. They have a receiver, Tyron Mason, who has lightning speed. He's headed to Western Michigan. They have another receiver, Donovan Johnson. Brad Cease told me on the phone this week, the combo of Mason and Johnson is the best receiving duo they've gone up against this year. The offensive line, bit of a question mark. They've been really good this year, but they're going to be outsized by a fair piece by this Merrillville defensive line. So then can they create enough seams for Woods to go through? Can they give Wilt Fawn enough time to throw the ball? Defensively, Elkhart's been a bit of an anomaly. They've had some really good games defensively. They've also had some real clunkers. So what Elkhart defense is going to show up tonight? They've got Rodney McGraw, the leading tackler on the team, leads them in sacks, committed to Penn State, and at the other end, Ty Winters, who had a big sack last week in the win over Chesterton. Clayton Lundy at middle linebacker, as good as it gets around here. Defensive secondary gets tested tonight. Can they be up to the challenge against these Merrillville wide receivers? Should be a honey of a game. 715, YouTube, Facebook, Champions Network. You can watch it live stream. If you want to wait for tonight after other games are over, TV 46 tonight, 11, tomorrow morning at 9. From the mothership, Merrillville is about an hour and change away. And here's what I knew of Merrillville. A great mall and a discount mall and a Star Plaza Theater that used to have some really great shows, now an empty parking lot. The uh, football field right off the highway. If you had to compare cities mm-hmm. here locally to Merrillville, what's the mirror? Ooh, mirror city locally to Merrillville. Um, it is tempting to say Elkhart to an extent, but I don't. I don't think that's true because I think Elkhart's di- Elkhart has such a diverse population. You have yeah. some of the richest of the rich and some of the poorest of the poor playing on the same team. Yes. Uh, now Merrillville has some of that too, but I would say Merrillville is probably more comparable. To a to a city of South Bend, okay, in its in its ethnic and racial makeup, Chicago parents, um, yeah, yeah. Well, you have a lot of you have a lot of the Slavic community over there, okay. A lot of people who probably still work in the steel mills over there, okay. And so there is a lot of that in that community. I mean, it is it's a definitive region community um but uh, a good good mix of ethnic and racial folks on that team i would i would say it's similar to south bend okay thank you also tonight uh from over in that neck of the woods mishawaka heads to valpo mishawaka heads to valpo remember valpo beat mishawaka last year in the regional 49 to nothing But Keith Kinder, the Mishawaka head coach, assures me that his team is in a better position to win this game this year. I think Mishawaka has to grind out long possessions and keep the ball out of the hands of Valparaiso. Valparaiso and Mishawaka are similar to Merrillville and Elkhart in that if you look along the line of scrimmage, Valparaiso's got a huge size advantage. 
on Mishawaka on both sides of the ball. So Mishawaka has to be a little bit more crafty in how they're going to combat that. Um, They're playing at Valpo. That's always a little bit tougher to go on the road. Mishawaka, though, has a second-year starter and quarterback at Justin Fisher. They've got a very good fullback in Drew Mason. Offensive line has moved people off the ball this year. This will be the biggest test that they have in terms of a defense that they faced. And we'll see how it goes. I think if Keith Kinder can keep this game down into the 20s, have his offense score just about every time they touch the ball and limit possessions like a Notre Dame-Navy type game, then he's got a chance to win. Otherwise, uh, Valpo should be able to run it almost at will at Mishawaka. I hate to say that, but it's true. Marion goes to Calumet. Marion's a huge favorite in this game. Calumet didn't look like they were going to even play football this year. They were over in Lake County. They only played three games in the regular season. They did not start their season until basically the start of October. Uh, They got hot in the tournament. They have the Flores brothers who have played terrific for them in the tournament, and they won their school's first sectional title. Marion, been there, done that. Six straight sectional titles for Mike Mike Davidson's team. Really, the only thing that will stop Marion in this game is themselves. If Marion does not focus on this week and looks ahead to a possible showdown with number one Bishop Chittard next week, they could be in trouble. Otherwise, they should win this game. Interesting matchup down at Rodebush Field in Winnemac. Lafayette Central Catholic takes on Winnemac. Lafayette Central Catholic slings the ball around. They've got a quarterback named Clark Barrett who's very good. Their record is deceiving. They're only 4-3. and three. They played nothing but 2A and 3A teams during the regular season. Then they got into the 1A tournament, and they've rolled so far. Winnemac has done a great job improving every week under John Hendricks, their first-year coach, but it's not his first rodeo. This is the fourth different school that John Hendricks has led to a sectional title. So he's done a great job everywhere he's gone. This is home for him. Kids have bought in. Defense has played spectacularly, but they will be tested by a different kind of team that they don't face in the regular season with this passing attack from Lafayette Central Catholic. Saturday night in southwestern lower Michigan. It's a game you've heard many, many times before. Back in the day, these two schools did not like each other. Now I think there is much more of a friendly rivalry because of summer leagues and Sometimes the parents live in St. Joe. The kids go to St. Lakeshore, Lakeshore, St. Joe. It's so close together. They're a lot alike. They are a lot alike, but sometimes familiarity breeds contempt. And I have the feeling that that's the case here in the war on the shore as St. Joe will entertain Lakeshore tomorrow night. Lakeshore won this game and won it big, 26-0 in the regular season, but they were aided by picking off five St. Joe passes. So Troy Prattley, the St. Joe quarterback, will have to have a better game. He's got a hot receiver right now in Griffin Shinrock. The St. Joe defense has played very well this year. The only team that has scored more than 20 on the St. Joe defense is Lakeshore. So everybody in the Bears' den will be fired up for this one. But Lakeshore has a veteran coach in Denny Dock. He's been through games like this before. They run an option attack. And boy, their defense has been solid all year long. I think points will be at a premium in this one. Don't look for the scoreboard to get lit up. This could be like a 14-13 kind of game at Dickinson Stadium tomorrow night. Now, there's two Michigan games tonight. 
Edwardsburg entertains Pawpaw. Edwardsburg goes through district championships like I go through Pez. I mean, it's just, you know, you tilt the head back and here comes another one. And that seems to be the way it is for Edwardsburg. I don't want to take away anything from Kevin Bartz. I think he's done a terrific job building a, an outstanding program. They're not going to get challenged in this game tonight. They beat Paw Paw in the regular season like Grandma's Rug, and that's going to happen again tonight. And then the interesting game tonight up in Michigan, Constantine at Buchanan. Constantine in its last four games, Corey, has averaged 55 points a game. Buchanan is built on defense. Mark Fry's team has done a great job. They've had an undefeated season. So something's got to give in there, and we'll see what happens up in, ooh, what's going to be a chilly, chilly stadium tonight up in Buchanan. Hey, let's switch to golf, Chuck Freebie. The Masters is well underway. Yeah, it's interesting watching this tournament without the patrons there, without the gallery. As you see, uh, the players, some of whom got on terrific roles yesterday. So as it started out yesterday, Corey, about 7.30 in the morning, Paul Casey said he came off the driving range, and and quite frankly, he was pretty anxious about how things were going to be because the conditions were very dry. And when Augusta National is dry, the putting greens are really slick and they're tough to putt on. All of a sudden, here comes a storm with an inch of rain that delays things three hours. Well, rain softens greens a lot. And that's what happened at Augusta National. And all of a sudden, these players who are the best in the world could put some backspin on that ball and basically put that puppy anywhere they wanted. And the scores showed it. Paul Casey fired an opening round 65, 7 under par. And he had the lead as they're finishing up the first round today. And then they should be, as we record this, just about ready to start round two at Augusta National. So there's going to be a lot of golf played. They're trying desperately to try to get this tournament in during the decreased daylight hours of November. And I think they're kind of running up against the clock a little bit. But uh, as I check the leaderboard right now, uh, Casey is still tied for the lead. He is now tied with uh, Fratelli out of South Africa. They're both at seven under par. And then Justin Thomas, who had a lightning start yesterday, is at minus six, as is Dustin Johnson. Dustin Johnson, the world's number one ranked player in the world. He is, uh, by the way, married to Wayne Gretzky's daughter. Oh, okay. Uh, So there's your fun fact to share with the family. And then among the crowd at five under was my pick, Xander Shoffley. He's up there. And Tiger Woods was four under yesterday. Uh, That's his best first round ever at Augusta National, which gives you an idea of how the course, how easily the course was playing yesterday. Now, it can change. And I think as the weekend goes on and that course starts to dry out again, you'll see those scores go down. Okay. Quick baseball headline, Jose Abreu, your American League MVP, Freddie Freeman on the National League side. Jose Abreu, the White Sox slugger, becomes only the fourth different White Sox player to win an MVP. Frank Thomas did it twice. Dick Allen did it once back in 1972. And Nellie Fox did it in 1959 when the White Sox won the pennant. Jose Abreu was just outstanding this year. And if he had played every game against the Cubs, he may have broken records despite it only being a 60-game season because he just bashed Cubs pitching around this year. 
19 homers and 60 RBI in just 60 games. He led the American League with 76 hits. Had a 22-game hitting streak at one point. So here's a guy, and I don't know if you know his story, Corey, but he defected from Cuba, came over to the United States, Rookie of the Year in 2014, three-time All-Star. He's really good with the glove as well. And you talk to anybody around the White Sox, and they just talk about what what a good guy he is and what an inspiring guy he is, that he risked everything to come here and play baseball, and now it's paying off for him, and he's the American League MVP. It is it is easy to root for a guy like Jose Abreu. Yeah, I get that. Nice to have someone on the team that inspires you mm-hmm. on a daily basis. So that kind of wraps up the sports part of Sport Jack. But as the listeners have known over the last few episodes, we have started a new segment called Overrated and Underrated. And apparently it's starting to get some listener response. Yes. Before I jump into the tweet from my friends call me Buzz. Where, what, how do we word if something's right down the middle? I would say right down, I would say you go with right, right down on or right down the middle. Or rated? No, right down the middle feels good. Yeah. Doesn't it? He turned in two names the other day, and uh, I've thought about them, I've studied them, and I think they're worth your while to bring up good in this segment. Let's tee up the ladies first. You ready? Sure. Underrated or overrated? Dolly Parton. Wow. Um, as as big as it got, and I don't mean that in a pun way, um, in the 80s. I mean, she, she was country music in the 80s. Uh, I think she has been able to parlay her musical success into a lot of things away from music that have also made some money for her. And now kind of having a resurgence in her music career um, here in 2020. I mean, she's had she's partnered with a couple of Christian artists who we play on our radio station and uh, seems to be making a surge. I, I don't think you could say she's overrated. Um, I, I would say perhaps underrated just because I think she was one of the she was certainly the first country artist to be able to parlay success into a screen career as well. And a decent one at that. Yeah. Nine to five was a a great comedy for many years. I mean, it's probably dated now, but well, I mean, nobody I mean, nobody back then looked at it like, oh, that was just okay. That was a funny movie. Right. Steel Magnolias, that ranks up there with uh, the ladies of the audience. Yeah, and I don't remember any country artist before her now, Barbara Streisand was able to take her music career and turn it into a screen career. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't remember country artists doing that before Dolly Parton. So I'm going to go underrated. Yeah. Your thoughts? I uh, would say Rhinestone was a horrible movie, but we'll put that to the side. But I, I don't think people know as well, as you mentioned, what else in her career she's done. She's got quite a book... Um, I dare say a production company where... And she's got a library... Free books to kids who can't get a hold of books. That I mean, it's pretty extraordinary. But I think 
in 2020 and 2019, she's kind of back on the map. Yeah. I feel right down the middle is appropriate. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, I don't look at her and go, all right, next. I think no. she's, I think she is the, the queen of country music. Still, yes. I'd go back to 70s. You said 80s. I'd go back to 70s as well. Yes, I agree. Yeah. And some juggernaut songs. I mean, I will always love you probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, will, there won't be any share or fundraisers no, anytime no. soon. She She's doing quite well for yeah. herself. All right. Next name. You ready? Let's stay in country world, but we will have to dip back a little bit into mainstream. Darius Rucker. Oh, I'm going to go overrated. Here. Overrated. Boy, boy, that was a quick one, and here's why. Well, I just... I know he made the transition from Hootie and the Blowfish into country music. Mm-hmm. And I I do like some of his stuff, but I just think for for what the amount that he gets talked about versus what I've seen from a production standpoint, I just I think he's overrated. Okay. You know, I enjoyed him as Hootie and the Blowfish. I enjoy some of his country uh, songs, uh, Wagon Wheel, you know, obviously huge hit. Uh, and and seems like great guy. I'm not saying he's a bad guy at all. Seems mm-hmm. like a wonderful guy, you know, kind you'd want to sit down and have a meal with and enjoy his presence. But I just think you listen to these people just ooh and ah over him, and it's like I, I don't see it. Okay. Overrated. That first Hootie record was a juggernaut. Yeah. I've used that twice in this episode. I mean, I don't think they got their head around how big that was. Mm-hmm. Um, the second record was a, quite a dud. Uh, I remember seeing them. I've met him a couple of times. And then I tried to do my homework when I read this tweet on what's been more successful, the country career or this. It's kind of hard. If There's a lot of homework to be done because yeah. he's also writing a lot of stuff for other people. And see, that's something I'm not aware of. Yeah. So he's got himself a nice little publishing deal, and those songs are hits as well. Uh, overrated though, I I thought Hootie was definitely overrated. Okay, I uh, him as a singer performer, and I don't know uh, I don't know country music enough to go. Does this guy hit the ball out of the park when it comes to duet time? Does he have duets with people? Does he sing with I don't others? Call any? Yeah. I would uh, I would lean more towards he is what he is kind of down the middle. Right. So, I mean, yeah. I think if you balance all of our scores, those two kind of were both on, yeah. on par. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to throw... Uh, Thanks couple- for that tweet, by the way. Oh, absolutely. Love those. I'm going to throw a couple at you, and now these you haven't had your chance to do homework on. Okay. Imagine Dragons. I've heard them. I realize still active, so maybe I realize not there. that uh, I, I feel like I might have missed out on them. And should I go investigate? But then at the same time, I feel like eh, I feel like our industry that you and I work in, radio wise, borrows a lot from them. Like mm-hmm. they were the, you know, the flavor of the year. Um, I don't have a. I don't have a good enough education on them to give you a true gut tells me overrated. I think they would be a great show to see. Okay. 
But when I listen to their music, and I think because it gets overplayed and it gets used not only in radio but in so many different ad campaigns, yes, they wear me out. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So from that standpoint. Or as I like to call it, the Bob Seger effect. Excuse me? Fighting words right there. There will be hands thrown if you keep that up, <laughs> mister. But, yeah, I just, they wear me out a little bit. So I think, though, they strike me as the kind of band that would do a lot of innovative stuff in a live show. Agreed. And they would be fun to watch. Yes. So I'm I'm going to withhold judgment on the one that I even brought to the table here because still active, kind of tough to say. Okay. David Bowie. David Bowie. I went through a David Bowie phase when he died and started purchasing a handful of the older catalog. Now, I would argue that everyone who's a vinyl fanatic, lover, addict should have the Let's Dance record Mm -hmm. in their collection. That one is stellar. Modern Love was on that same album. Modern right? Love, Let's Dance, China Girl. Yes, that's uh, the first three in that album. That's ooh, Stevie Ray Vaughan does the guitar solo on Let's mm-hmm. Dance, which is amazing. Then you go back and, you know, is it the the times? Is it the weirdness? Is it the characters? You know, there you don't hear a lot about David Bowie after that record. I mean, there's a couple of mediocre hits. I would say overrated. I I would tend to agree. I think he was kind of a product of the times, and much as we talked about Billy Idol yesterday, yes, being uh, made for MTV and VH1 and and videos, and being that being so new, I think that was a lot of the appeal for Bowie. He was new and he was different. <laughs> it's funny. I was listening to Mo- Modern Love came on the. Great song. It is. Great drum sound. When you sing along to Modern Love, though, you don't sing the lyrics. You sing the backup parts. Yeah. Modern Love. Yeah. Modern Love. Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody <laughs> sings along with David Bowie. It's, it's a weird song in that way. Yeah. Because that's the only song that I can think of where you sing the backup parts when you're singing along to it on the radio. I know when to go out. I know when to stay in. Get things done. And if you really want to see something bizarre, watch the Bing Crosby, David Bowie Christmas duet. Yeah, that's... Uh, uh, Close your eyes, and it's terrific. Open your eyes, and it's like, whoa. (laughs) He, he He did do some groundbreaking stuff live previous to what we probably saw in a live performance yes. as we got older. But and then some of the, but some of those earlier songs too are big songs like uh Major Tom. I, I dig yes. that song still. Suffrage City is a favorite. Uh Rebel Rebel. And now that I'm sitting here hearing you talk to, I wonder if that Let's Let's Dance record once again benefited from the visual of MTV, because mm-hmm. those were big music videos as well. Yes, they were. Big music videos. How many times did we watch a music video? And I don't know if this would work for you, Chuck. How many times did I see a music video where, where I would see a live performance music video and go, oh, I've got to go see them. I want to go see that for myself. Modern Love was a live mm-hmm. song. 
uh, Panama by Van Halen. It's like, do yeah. they do that in every show? I want to go see that. You know, that MTV helped in that way. So what did, what did you end up saying for him? I, I said slightly overrated. Slightly overrated. Okay. I'm in agreement with you. Okay. All right. That doesn't always happen on this show, so maybe that's a sign that we should wrap it up. Somebody should circle this and put a pin in it. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. My apologies to Diane Freeby. We had, obviously, some technical difficulties. We couldn't connect with the caller. She is going to slap you silly next time she sees you. <laughs> well, she has to see me to slap me. That's true. So there's that. By the way, you're on Twitter, aren't you? I am. At my name is Corey. Aren't you? Yes, I am at 46 Sports. A great follow on a Friday night to catch up with all the high school sports scores, in my opinion. What about the other days of the week? Uh, well, not so much. You've got work to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a, maybe an upcoming episode of Overrated, Underrated. I don't know. We'll wow. see. We'll see. You're going to put my Twitter page <laughs> on Overrated, Underrated. Maybe on episode 300. Why don't we put your other podcast there too, <laughs> mister? <laughs> I've got a new episode waiting for you. Episode 98 of What Else, by the way, is out there for the people to skip right past. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode until... Next time, Yak fans. Oogalooga, Harmon Killebrew. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sport Check. Sport Check. Sport Check is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or 7 Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.